I'm looking to see, did anybody post any pictures? <laughs> the Sister Devonshire posted some that Pastor Olson preached last night. I don't know what happened today, this morning, or who's preaching tonight. But we are here, and it is awesome. Amen. So, like I said, we're planning to go tomorrow. If you have not been to conference, you are missing out on something that could help you and enhance your Christian life, your spirituality. Because conference, there are various things that are said at the conference. There are various uh, things that happen. Uh, I don't want to stay on this too long because we have a lot of ground to cover. But I remember one man getting, getting filled with the Holy Ghost. While he was there at the conference, he began to, to, to jump up and down and shout. And this guy, used to, I believe he used to be a football player for either Alabama or the University of Alabama or something like that. So, I mean, he already had quite a vertical jump. But when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he had an even greater jump. And so it, it was awesome. I just happened to be standing right there watching him and seeing him shout and everything. So he will never forget that. So there are things that happen at those conferences that have helped me along the way in ministry. So even if you only come for one service, it will be worth it. It's only a two and a half, maybe three hour drive, depending on your, on your flow of, of how, how heavy your foot is. But we always appreciate being able to go to the conference. So let's start with prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on. We're going to ask Brother Tony, sir, why don't you pray for the Bible study? Amen. While I'm here, I want to make some announcements. Ah, I'm not on. Okay. That's what we didn't do. Hold on. Marcus. So on the on the bottom of the screen on the computer, there's a an app that looks like a Rubik's Cube. Can you hit that? Bring that up. And then in the middle of the screen, there's something called, there's a button called Fade. Hit that. Because online, all they're seeing is that Bible. I wanted to check that. Hey, there we go. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. So announcements real quick. Friends and family service, October 23rd. That's in a few weeks. So you got time to invite friends and family, let people know. Every family gets an 8 by 10 portrait for free. Also, uh, the family, the, the person that brings the most friends and family, they get a poster size portrait they get to hang up in their house. So really it's all about not, not so much the portraits, right, but it's about the souls of men and women. Somebody could come and get saved in that service. So that's really a big deal for us every year is to have that service. So October 23rd, friends and family, and also Revival with Reverend Love. You've already heard about it, maybe you have, maybe not. But Revival with Reverend Love, November 1st through 6th. So that's every night. That started on a Tuesday night. So you got Sunday service, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday preparation for the revival. So you get all your laundry done, your shopping done, whatever it is, so that you have an opportunity to be in the Bible study, every, not in the, in the revival every night, because revival is awesome. Last year we did two weeks of revival. So it looks like we're only having one this week. So it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
Sunday night. Of course, Sunday morning, regular service, but Sunday night, Reverend Love will be preaching. So we ordered some, uh, some invitational cards today to have those so we can go out and let, let people know. We want to let a thousand people know about the revival. And we can do that. Amen. We could do that in, a, in probably, a, you know, a few days. I mean, some, some people go out, and uh, I know Desha, she's done it before, go out to the South City Chinooks and invite out 100 people, 125 people. My wife and I sometimes invite out 200 people in a day. So that won't take long to go through 1,000 if we're motivated, all right? Baptism, those that want to be baptized, you can ask myself or Pastor Devonshire, get signed up and Crossroads Friday. This Friday we will be having Crossroads at the YMCA and at Bayless, provided we have enough coverage. Amen. All right. I got two jokes. I don't know which one to do, so I'll just do one. Farmer heard that the best cow's milk comes from contented cows. So he went out to the barn and started telling jokes to the cows. Cows began to laugh, and he got some of the best milk in town. But the rumor went around that they were the laughing stock of the town. <laughs> That's why I said I got two. I'm only going to tell one. All right. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6. Pastor started to go over this. And as I began to review the material, it seemed like he, he covered a lot in that 30 minutes that he went over. And he was maybe finishing up chapter 5 and then starting chapter 6. And it seemed like he only got to verse 1. I may be mistaken, but as I was continuing to review it, he stayed on verse 1 about moving to maturity. Pastor preached a message about that the last time that we, we, were, uh, we went out of town. So I did get to listen to that. And that's what a lot of the, the especially the theme, if you, if you get the, the main point of Hebrews, is in Hebrews chapter 6 about moving to maturity. Not staying back in the stage is what Pastor was talking about, where we're still in a, in a, in a baby state of where, hey, I got saved, and, you know, I, I, and I feel the, the goodness of God. Yes, but there is so much more than just getting saved to Christianity. There's so much more to Christianity than that. We have to move on. We have to become mature. We have to be able to fight a real enemy. So we have to get stronger in the faith. Just coming to church once a week is not enough. You eat more than once a day. We get on Facebook and YouTube more than once a day. I remember a pastor put the challenge out there. If you look at your screen time, there's some apps that, that track your screen time. Mine just happened to come up, and I don't know how this happened. I had almost eight hours of screen time. <laughs> Doing what? <laughs> I know some of it was reading the Bible and some of it was, you know, watching some of the church services, you know, that we've had. And I go back and listen to them. But I, what else was I doing? I don't know. I'm not sure what it was. But I said, wow, you know, we get more face time. Time on our faces with God. Time in the book. I remember Reverend Kenson saying, get your face out of Facebook and get your face back in the book. Get your face back in the Word of God. Let the fire of God's love move in your life. So here we are in Hebrews chapter 6. Of course, we've talked about this before. Jesus is better. The word better means more excellent, more effective. Jesus is better than anything that I ever had before I became a Christian. Jesus is better than anything that this world has to offer. 
But for these Hebrew Christians that Paul the Apostle, which we believe was Paul, it, it, it came anonymously, maybe because Paul wanted to, to put out this word out here to these Hebrew Christians where his, you, you remember every time Paul would go somewhere, some Jews would come out and they would fight against him. And so in order for Paul to put forth the truth to these Hebrew Christians, maybe he decided that God wanted him to write it anonymously so that they wouldn't be able to say, well, Paul said this and Paul said that. So Paul did not put his name on it. But we believe it was Paul. There's no, pretty much no other writer that we could see that would write with such extent and such knowledge of the Old Testament and then bringing it forth to coincide it with the New Testament. So we believe it's Paul. So there are some points here. A superior person in Jesus. He was better than the prophets in chapter 1. Better than the angels in chapter 2. Better than Moses in chapter 3 and 4. And then in parts in chapters 4 through 6, better than Aaron. Better than Aaron. Three parts to the book of Hebrews. An appeal. Well, this is chapter 6. An appeal, verses 1 through 3. An argument verses 4 through 8, and an assurance, verses 9 through 20. So an appeal, an argument, and assurance, and an assurance. Let's start in verse, actually, let's go back to chapter 5, verse 1. I'm going to pull that verse up there. Chapter 5, verse 1. So in the previous chapter, the danger signal was the peril of dull hearing. The peril of dull hearing. There's some exhortations here in the, in, in the book of Hebrews. What is an exhortation? A serious urge for someone not to do something or to do something. A serious urge, which means that I am seriously going to tell you that this is what you should do or something that you should not do. A good example might be, as we've heard before, if a if a child is getting ready to run out in the traffic and there's a car coming and it looks like it's not going to stop, you are going to make a serious urge <laughs> for them to stop before they get hurt. And Paul was doing the same thing with these Hebrew Christians. I seriously urge you not to turn back to Judaism, not to leave the faith of Christ and, the, and to go back. We've all had maybe some times in our lives where it seemed like, hey, wow, this is pretty tough. I, I, maybe I should go back, uh, you know, maybe I'm not fit for all this. Maybe I'm, I'm not made to do this. And so the devil will lie and try to get you all mixed up. We've had those, those, uh, those, those thoughts that come to us before. They say, well, maybe I should just quit the church and go back out in the world and do my own thing. And this is where they were. They were being persecuted. The Hebrew Christians were being persecuted because they had left Judaism. Judaism was everything to them. It was everything. Literally, it's where they, they had business, where their family was, the synagogue, where everything that they saw and everything they went through. So if they were leaving that and being persecuted for us, some of them were thinking about going back. And so he exhorted them, let us not drift from the word of God. Let's not get away from the word of God. The word of God is, is, is quick, it's powerful. The word of God is what saved you. So don't give up on the word of God. Don't turn to something else. What else is there? What else is greater? What's better? There's nothing better than the Word of God. It's a, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. It shows me the way in which I should go. It gives me more wisdom than, than those that were before. 
So why should I turn away from the word of God? So let's not drift away. When you're drifting, you don't, you don't always know it right away. Especially when you're, when you're in a boat, you know, you're drifting, you, know, you may not know. Or even, even if you're driving, what, what happens as they tell, I, I got some, try to get some maintenance done on my car. And so the, one of the best things you can do is go to the owner's manual. <laughs> so you go on the owner's manual, you find out all the things that you're supposed to be doing with your vehicle. So, oh, I'm supposed to change this oil at this interval, these many miles. I'm supposed to get in alignment. I'm supposed to rotate my tires every so often. And so I was looking through the owner's manual, and it was explaining what you need to do if you, if you need an alignment. Well, so how do I know if I need an alignment? So you, you put your hands on the steering wheel, and then as you're driving down the road, you let the steering wheel go. And if you start drifting off to the left or to the right, then you know you need to get in alignment or every so often. And so you can start drifting, especially if you're not paying attention. So he's saying, let's not drift from the word of God. Let's not get away from the word of God and do something else. Other exhortations, let's not doubt the word. Let's not grow dull towards the word. And so Paul was telling them, let's go to chapter 6, verse 1. Paul's encouraging them to grow up and go on to maturity. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, this is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So let's leave the, the principles, let's leave the basics. You've already heard the, the word of God, not leaving them and saying, hey, I'm going elsewhere, but let's move on. Let's keep going. Let's grow. There's some things that you can do in the church, right? We have a, we have a M2M, M2M, members to ministry, members to ministry. And so we, we have this, uh, Pastor Devonshire came up with this program that from what I understand has been around for years. And if you want to do more in church, then you go to these set of classes, take these classes, and then you find out what it is that you can do. Well, you know, there's, there's something in there about loyalty, being loyal to the church. You know, when the, when the, when the pressure is on, I don't just cave in. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not, the boss was really on me today, I'm not coming to church. No, all right? If the boss is really on you at work, what do you do, right? You keep going to work, right? And then Reverend Love, he made some mention about that. You know, we stay up all night and go party, and then we still go to work the next day. But somehow when it comes to church, we may stay up late and say, oh, it was a little bit too late. I'm going to sleep in. I'm not going to church today. No, that's not what we do. So it, there's loyalty, and then there's, there's personal evangelism. There's uh, giving. But there, there's, there's a certain point in the classes where it talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost. That you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so you should be praying, you should be looking, you should be asking God, God, help me. If I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost, God, what do I need to do in my life so I can get filled with the Holy Ghost? But there's some other classes past the Holy Ghost. There's some things that if you don't at least get the Holy Ghost, there's some things that you're not just going to obey, you're not going to do. And so it's because we have to go keep going. We have to be more mature. And so Paul was explaining to them, hey, we have to move on just past the, the basics of praying the prayer of salvation. 
This moving on means for a builder to leave the foundation. The foundation has been done. Everything has been done. Jesus came. He died on the cross for our sins. He suffered three days and three nights. He was in hell. And then he rose again on the third day. And we understand that, yes. But there's so much more that Jesus wants to do. That was the foundation. The builder has to leave the foundation and start building up. It's time to start putting up walls. It's time to start putting on doors and windows. It's time to put the roof on. Let's build up from the foundation. And so that's what Paul was telling them. Build up from the foundation. Stop learning the ABCs and hooked on phonics. Work for me. <laughs> Let's start working on a bachelor's degree. Let's start working on a master's degree. Let's start working on a PhD in Christianity. Let's get more. Don't be satisfied with where you are right now. And so he's saying, let's go on to perfection, full maturity. He's talking about repentance from dead work, something that you, you, you came and you prayed, and then, oh, the battle came again. I, I messed up again. Okay, I got to pray again. Okay, I messed up again. I got to pray again. I got the bottle again. I messed up again. I got to pray again. Oh, I'm smoking again. I messed up again. I got to pray again. Paul says, hey, we've got to get past that. We need Holy Spirit power to get past stuff like that. I don't want to reteach what Pastor taught already, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to move on here. Verse 2, of doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This doctrine of baptisms, this had nothing to do with the New Testament, but there were washings in the Old Testament rituals. Maybe you may remember that Jesus was, was going through cornfields, and they were plucking the ears of corn, and they were eating them. And the Pharisees were looking at it and say, hey, you didn't wash your hands before you did that. It's like they're talking to the Son of God. Don't they know who they're talking to? <laughs> Jesus said, you blind Pharisees. <laughs> say, you wash the outward part of the cup, but the inside is nasty. And so you wash the outside, but your heart is all messed up? And so they were so worried about the, these Hebrew Christians, they were, they were starting to go back and being worried about the outward washings. It's the inner washings that we need. I need my heart to be cleansed. I've, I've come across people, and I'm not trying to find fault with anybody, but, you know, there, there's sometimes where, you know, we're out sowing, and I talk to people, and I say, hey, I want to invite you out to church. I say, okay, oh, praise God. And I, I always ask them, Can you, would you like to come Sunday? And they say, oh, I go to church on Saturday. It's like as if you're better than me because you go to church on Saturday. Is that the thing or what? Because I can go to church on Saturday too. When revival comes, I'm going to church on Saturday, all right? But it, it, is, it, is it the going to church on Saturday that, that, that saves you? Or is it Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus and, and what God's Son has done? Has that going to church on Saturday washed your heart from hatred for other people? Has it cleansed you from all your sins? Has it reminded you of what Jesus Christ had done? If it does that, great. I'm glad for you. But don't condemn me because I don't go. So let's not look at it as the ritual part and say, well, I go to church this day. And that means I'm okay. No. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? That's the most important thing. So Paul was trying to remind them about that. Don't forget that. It's not the laying on of hands. 
Like the animal sacrifices where we say, this animal is going up to be sacrificed, I'm putting my hand on it, and my sin is going towards this animal, and therefore my sin is, is gone away, and I'm okay, everything's all right, and I'll be back next week to bring another one. No, he's saying, no, we got to move on from that. We got to let the blood of Jesus wash us clean. Verse 3, and this will we do if God permits if God wants us to, we're gonna, we're, we may have to go back to these things, but let's move on. Let's keep going. So we're entering another section here, an argument, verses 4 through 8. An argument, verses 4 through 8. One of the saddest parts of Scripture begins with this list of privileges in the Christian life. Paul begins to deal with those who were apostates. What's an apostate? Somebody that knew God at one time. Somebody that was serving God and they were giving God their all and great. And then all of a sudden, well, maybe not all of a sudden, nothing really happens all of a sudden, really. That's how I was taught it anyway. That people in their minds, they, they give up in their mind and, and then they give up physically. And then, you know, that, that brother that you used to see, they used to come in and praise God. And, and boy, you couldn't shut him up when it was time for church and everything. All of a sudden, they're colder, and they get further and further away from the, 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 the pastor and, and the brethren and the sisters and the fellowship, and, and then the last one in and the first one out. You don't see them at the prayer meeting anymore. They don't come soul anymore, getting cold in their soul. And then they're so far from God, and then they're apostates back out in the world, and then cursing God and saying, hey, ah, you know, that old God stuff. I don't believe that anymore. Apostates, they have been once enlightened, tasted of the free gift that came from heaven, made partakers of the Holy Ghost, saved, had the powers of the world to come, but then they threw it away. Let's read verses 4 through 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, and they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So this is in the past tense. This means they, they've fallen away. They've fallen away. The word fall away in the Greek is parapipto, parapipto, meaning to throw overboard meaning to throw overboard. So they took their faith and they threw it overboard. I was listening to a sermon earlier about Jonah. Jonah, you remember Jonah, Jonah and the big fish? Jonah was on that boat and Jonah got as far away from the call of God as he could get going in that boat, going, going down to Tarshish and then going down in the bottom of the ship. And as he's down there in the bottom of the ship, they're trying to toss all those all those things over the ship because the ship is going down because Jonah's in there in the bottom of the ship in a place where he's not supposed to be, causing everybody else to get in trouble, right? And so what were they doing with some of that cargo? They were throwing it overboard. And that's what Paul was saying that these apostates had done. They took their faith and they threw it overboard. I do not want to go down to see a life without Christ in my boats. That's, it's a rough ride with with, you know, when you have God and things are not going so good, thank God Jesus is there in the boat with you. Amen. Well, boy, when you try to live your life without God, whoo, that's rough. So they had thrown it away. 
Because if they had given in to going back to Judaism, they were saying that Jesus was not God. And so that's a, that's, a, that's a huge error that they were making. So they were partakers of the Holy Ghost. It would be hard for them to renew them again to the truth of the gospel. They crucified him. What, did, what were they saying? He is worthy of death. Give me the nails. Give me the hammer so I could crucify him again. That's what they were saying when they were going back to Judaism. If we go back and we go back to the world and, and we were once, and, and you know, people are watching, right? People are watching your life. I was out soul winning yesterday just walking up Grand in our unique situation here because, you know, at normally Reverend Tuhig and on a Monday he'll drop me off somewhere. You know, and I'll go soul winning at one of the grocery stores on Monday night. But, you know, he's gone at the copper, so here I am. I leave the church, and I'm, I'm walking up, walking up the street. You know, I, I see people at their houses. I go up, go up the stairs, and, you know, I go talk to them. One guy say, hey, you see, I, I've seen you before. You give me one of these cars before. People are watching. <laughs> There's another guy I walked up on. I tried to give him a church card, and I'm so bad about this. I tried to give him a church card. You know, I'm talking to him. He said, yeah, I wasn't there Sunday. You know, I'm thinking, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> said, tell me your name again. He told me his name. He's like, come on, man, you don't remember my name. I said, you know, if you came more often, maybe. <laughs> Oops, you know. But people know. They're watching your life. And so we just decide, hey, I'm going to go back and sin. I'm going to go live like everybody else. I'm going to go back to the parties. I'm going to go back to the dope and everything else. People are going to look and say, hey. Hey, I thought you used to go to church. There's people here right now that you saw somebody else's life change while they were coming to church. God started blessing. God started moving in their life. And you saw that. And that motivated you to come to church. And so we've got to keep on going forward. People are watching. And you may be that only hope for their life. It's been said a hundred times, if not more, People won't read the Bible, but they'll read your life. What are you showing them? Verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. It's an illustration of Christians and apostates. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. So those that hear the gospel, we're, we're like the earth. The rain falls, and then we're supposed to soak it in. We have, we have something that we're supposed to do with it. We're supposed to take the Word of God and, and let it nourish us so that we can grow and so that we can do something with it. So we come and, you know, we, we've heard about the rain, you know, Lord, bring the rain and different things like that, you know, different songs that we've heard. We're supposed to be like that. We have a seed that God wants for it to germinate, that it, he wants it to grow. Sometimes God applies heat to your life, doesn't he? A co-worker, you know, is giving you a hard time, the boss, the, the bills are coming up due, the car breaks down, you know, and so God is trying to get your faith to grow in him. You don't feel good and, and things aren't good and you get a bad diagnosis from the doc and, and you know, you say, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. God's really trying to bring that faith up and trying to build you up. He's applying heat so that you'll learn how to trust in him all the more so. 
If we never had a problem, we would never know that God could solve them. So that's why things happen. So we grow in faith and so that one day that when, it, when something really big happens, we can just take that challenge on like Abraham and go forth and give glory to God. We won't question it at all. We won't question God. We won't have any ulterior motives. We'll know that whatever God is asking me to do, whatever my challenge is, I can meet it with victory. And because God said it, he's going to take care of it. He knows exactly what I need to do. So I'm going to do it. And so we have this seed. We don't want it growing up in the, you know, in the thorns and, you know, we don't want it to be hard ground. I want my heart to be good ground. I want it to be good ground. I want it to bring forth fruit. How much? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So we're like that, that ground that when it rains upon that ground, we want it to be good. That same water falls on others as well. The same water falls on the apostate, the one that says, hey, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. So we don't want it to be worthless ground. We don't want it to be rejected. We don't want our whatever comes up, because something's going to come up in your life, right? Regardless. Didn't that seed grow anyway? It grew up on the hard ground. It grew up among the thorns. It grew up and, you know, it got choked by the things of this world. Something's going to come up in your life. Whether it's love and goodness, or whether it's bitterness and hatred, something is going to come up. I don't want things to come up in my life where God says, hey, I've got to burn that. that, that you can't get any, any reward for that, for being that way towards that person. Why did you say that like that? Why did you talk to your wife like that? Why did you treat that person that way? Why didn't you invite them to church? Why didn't you help that one that needed help? So I don't want to have that in my life. Hey, why didn't you go soul winning when you could have? Well, you know, I got all these things to do. We all have things to do. Well, we can all come and give God a couple hours. He who spent six hours on the cross for us, three days in hell, and he's up at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. Surely we can give him time, a little bit of time. Even if it's out the street corner just waving at people saying, hey, come to church. God is good. Amen. Verse 9, starting at verse 9 is another section. It is an assurance, an assurance. Verse 9 starts an abrupt change. So Paul was really, he's really beating them up. <laughs> he's really letting them have it, but he had to. Tough love, right? Tough love got us where we are right now, amen? And so Paul was really beating them up. So in verse 9, an abrupt change. But beloved, he throws those words in there. Everything that I said before that. However, beloved, we love you. God loves you. We really want you to get to heaven. But beloved, here in verse 9, it says, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. So he backs off from the cliff saying, you're immature, you're lazy, you're in danger of losing your salvation. But he wants them to do, he wants them to be better than they were, better than they were. We can't preach them down in the hill and then don't bring them out, you know, and tell them that there's heaven waiting on them. We can't do that. You know, there is heaven. We've all been bad. We've all done things that we should not do. Even today, we've all done some things and had an attitude and not been faith, full of faith, but God is faithful. Amen. I'm glad God is faithful. So he said the only place, this is the only place in the whole letter where the readers are called beloved. 
It's the only place, the whole book of Hebrews. So this is a very important place in the, in the, in the book of Hebrews. He's going to start talking about a, a better, a better uh, priesthood, a better sacrifice, a better covenant, you know, a, a better temple up in heaven. He's going to talk about all of these things that are so much better. But he's telling them, hey, move on to perfection. Keep on going. Push forward. I'm going to get ready to get ready to stop here because we made it to verse 9 in a different section. But we want to talk about the privilege of prayer. Question, have you stopped believing in the power of prayer? Your answer to that question is not what you say, but it is what you do. So if you do not pray, you must not believe in the power of prayer. So what we have to do is we have to believe. We have to take time in it. Is that why you have not been praying because you have not been rewarded for praying? The reward for prayer is spending time with God and God changing your life. One man said it this way, and this is, this is old here. We, we stamp and address an envelope and send it on its way. And we have full confidence that it will reach its destination, don't we? Yeah. All right. We take that envelope, put that stamp on there put that address on there, and we hope hey, this bill's going to get paid, right? We got full faith in the U.S. Postal Service, amen? <laughs> we believe that's going to get there, but how much more so should we believe that God, when we pray, our prayer is going to God, that He hears us, that He's going to answer us. God is more powerful than the Postal Service, isn't He? <laughs> He's a lot more powerful. He's a lot greater, and they've never sent a package. God's never sent a package to the wrong place. God's never had it undeliverable, amen? We send a text message, right? We, we believe it's going to get there. We send a Facebook, IG, all that stuff. We believe that stuff's going to get there. How much more so should we believe that our prayer is going up to the eternal God who can hear us and do something? We should never doubt God. David said this, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. He's talking about God. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. So don't go back, but go forward. Press on. Don't put the foot on the brake, but put the foot on the gas pedal in prayer and, and service and worship and praise and adoration toward God. Don't go back. As Paul has said, we're persuaded better things of you. We know that you're going to do better than those that have given up and said, I don't need this anymore. We know that you believe that you need God now more than you've ever needed him before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss the service here. As we said, remember friends and family service, but we got service Thursday night, Thursday night at 7.30. So come on back. Come on back. Tell somebody. Now, normally Thursday at the conference, it's the last service. It's kickoff. They're, they're shouting. They're, they're singing for like a whole hour after the church service. I mean, nobody ever wants to go home. They're all full of God and the Spirit of God. So we're going to do the best we can to have a good service here on Thursday night. Amen. All right. So let's come and pray. Pray for me. I'll be preaching. Pray. And let's expect God to do something great. All right. Let's dismiss with prayer at this time. We're going to have Brother Tony again to please, sir, dismiss us in prayer.